0: What's going on, everybody? This is a new episode of the Bitcoin Source. I have a very special person here today, Natalie Sklominski. And, you know, before I get super excited, I'll have her introduce herself. Um, Natalie, so please, for the audience, could you introduce who you are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am founder and executive director of the Texas Bitcoin Foundation. Um, I'm also a senior fellow at the Bitcoin Policy Institute, anthropologist and historian by background, uh, software sales and business development executive by trade
0: nice nice thank you natalie for that introduction and you know i've watched you on numerous other interviews and i was just completely blown away at your just insightful nature and just unfettered genius about bitcoin cbdc's and just you know the human the human nature of how we adopt you know disruptive technologies and one of the first questions i always ask my guests when they come on the show is you know, their humble beginnings. How did they get started in Bitcoin, whether it was books, courses, or even people in the ecosystem that might've orange-pilled them? So could you kind of give a quick synopsis of like how you got started in Bitcoin and what inspired you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, at the time I was, uh, working in sales and services at an education technology company. So I was selling software, um, mostly decisioning systems. So like, um, admissions systems, portfolio review systems, mostly to higher education. And uh, one of my customers was MIT. um, And we got to talking with their admissions office about the difficulty that they had uh, year over year evaluating the tens of thousands of applications they get every year from all over the world, um, mostly for fraud. So, you know, a lot of people, uh change or fake their transcripts or or their high school diplomas or other academic records. And so we uh we looked at this new technology called bitcoin um which you know back in 2015 was pretty much the only uh one of the very few blockchains out there. Um and we partnered with the MIT Media Lab to use Bitcoin as an independent verification infrastructure for academic records. Um, so we developed a standard, an open technology standard, which first we called trustless transcripts, and then that became block certs, and then that became uh, what today is known as verifiable credentials, um, which is a, an official W3C standard for verifying any kind of claim online. Um, so you know, my company was really there launching the movement that today is known as decentralized identity. Um, And we saw Bitcoin as the perfect infrastructure to do that.
0: It just makes me think about like that decentralized identity that kind of segues into one of my other questions, because I know that you're kind of well versed in this. And my question to you, Natalie, is, you know, how can Bitcoin be use as a human rights tool for democracy versus the CBDC narrative that we're seeing, which can be used to decrease income equality?
1: Yeah. So I think um, the major distinction that uh, the world is going to make in the 21st century between different types of technologies is, is this a peer-to-peer technology or is this a third-party intermediary technology? Um, any technology where you're relying on a third party to relay a message or um, complete a transaction, that is a vector for capture by powerful actors. So, you know, in, in the U S going back to the early 20th century, that was when some of the first privacy cases um, started coming before the courts, um, including the Supreme court um, in part because that's when telephony um or the telephone started becoming widespread and the phone phone lines were constantly being bugged and surveilled um either by private companies, you know, phone companies or others or by the government, uh the police. Um and the the constitution didn't have clear guidance on this issue um at the time and so There were legal battles around, like, is this, you know, uh, unwarranted search and seizure? And uh, the courts have ruled in various ways uh, over the years. But the early 20th century is when this doctrine known as the third party doctrine became the official government position, which is that if there's a third party between me and you and we're communicating, it's not search and seizure if we listen in and capture your message. That is still the point of view of the US government today. Uh, and that's the point of view of most governments. Um, and so the only real way around that, like there aren't good legal remedies for that, um, as we've seen. I mean, we've we've had more than a century now to, to deal with this issue and um, the courts and the electoral process the, the democratic process have not been able to protect people's privacy and communication. And so the only way to actually fix this problem is to develop peer-to-peer forms of communication, including value transfer, the transfer of money that nobody can intercept. And that's why end-to-end encryption is a human right. And that's why Bitcoin uh, is
0: a human rights technology. Yes, most definitely. I agree with that hundred percent. And you know, Bitcoin is kind of one of those things that is really a paradigm shifting technology. And when I hear the word CBDC, I always think about surveillance money or ultimate control of your financial empowerment. And just for, you know, myself coming from the African-American community, you know, our community is rife with um, controls right. set in place. when I see Bitcoin, I always think about um, the freedom aspects and the ability to kind of transfer value for value, pair to pair. And it really starts with this decentralized nature that we're kind of um, embarking on. So I wanted to thank you, Natalie, for, you know, your efforts in educating so many people about um, CBDCs and what the impact may be on people's sovereignty and freedom going down the road. Thank you. So Natalie, um, you know, when we talk about uh, regulation, we talk about government control, it seems like... The government is really trying to crush cryptocurrency right now. How can the U.S. better leverage Bitcoin as a strategic asset to achieve its geopolitical goals instead of some of these policies that we're seeing now to hammer down on this digital asset innovation?
1: Yeah. So um, a couple, couple of answers to that question. I think there's a bottom up answer and a top down answer. One is that the American people are adopting Bitcoin. Um, And because there's so much momentum from the American people, the government is going to have a hard time making Bitcoin ownership or use of Bitcoin illegal. Um, And so we have to just keep putting pressure on our representatives and lawmakers and letting them know that um, we hold Bitcoin, we use Bitcoin, we rely on Bitcoin as a savings technology, and it's not going away. the other answer to that question is a top down answer of, of what the government itself is going to do to adopt Bitcoin. Um, and from my point of view, there will be a moment when the writing on the wall is seen um, by governments around the world, including the U.S. government. And that moment will be when they realize that Bitcoin is a politically neutral, um, verifiably scarce um, form of sound money that is easier to hold and transact in than gold. Um, right now, what we're seeing is um, a lot of governments are um, moving away from US treasuries as a reserve asset and they're moving some of some of that into gold um, because they see it as uh, politically neutral, um, universal store of value that's true um gold just also has certain um disadvantages that that bitcoin uh solves so you know i i suspect that the u.s government like many governments um is going to begin moving more into gold um and bitcoin in the coming decade or so
0: you know there's a state out there called texas which i know you have a lot of love for and the beautiful thing about Texas is that Texas has its own separate grid outside of the other grids in the United States. And I know that you've been working um, tirelessly to kind orange of orange pill people, get people to start being involved in Texas in the mining industry there. And I wanted to ask you, Natalie, how can Texas um, serve as a unique stabilizer of energy grids and an unlikely player in our country's renewable energy future through Bitcoin mining?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So. um Texas is actually the the leading state in the United States um, in terms of growth of renewable energy uh, generation power generation. Um, so the fastest growth in you know wind and solar uh, is happening in in Texas. and a lot of that has to do candidly with the economic incentives that um, our deregulated energy market provides. Um, renewables are. You know, they already are, or are fast becoming, the cheapest sources of power, and so there's an economic logic in the shift to renewable energy. And this is this is what I think a lot of environmentalists miss: is that, you know, energy energy generators and power companies are not charities; they have to be solvent. They have to, um, at the very least be cash flow positive. They they can't be operating at a loss. Um, And so they have to get power from cost-effective sources. Um, And this is is why one of the most important initiatives to decarbonize the grid um, is to ensure that renewables continue to become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And one of the ways that Bitcoin mining can help achieve that is by being a steady and high source of demand, precisely for renewable energy. Renewable energy sources tend to have the downside that they're intermittent, um, meaning they don't continuously generate power. Um, you know, hydroelectric and geothermal are a little are a little more stable, but like wind and solar, for example, they tend to generate a lot of power, and then you know when there's no wind or it's cloudy, they don't generate much power. Um, and in order for a producer of energy to uh, make money, um, they have to be able to sell all of the power that they generate. Um, And that hasn't always been the case with renewables. Um, And so some some have stayed away from uh, generating renewable energy for that reason. Um, What Bitcoin mining can do is it can offer a guarantee that, hey, you know, if you set up uh, a wind farm here, um, we're always going to you know, have demand for a certain amount of that energy, Um, even if you can't send it back to Houston or Dallas or Austin or some major metropolitan area like we'll be right here ready to consume it. Um, And then that slowly decarbonizes the grid over time. Another thing that Bitcoin mining does is it can can deal with the biggest source, single source of global warming, which is methane. it's only really in the past few years that we've began to appreciate the extent to which methane accelerates global warming. It It um, is 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide in trapping energy. Um, and so, you know, methane from uh, oil and gas production, from landfills and from agriculture, uh, mass agriculture generates Uh, anywhere from a quarter to a third of all um, uh, climate change driver uh, emissions. And so the single most effective thing that we can do as a species to combat that is to lower our our methane emissions. And one of the best ways to do that is to park Bitcoin mines um, in all these places, like next to landfills, next to oil and gas generation sites where you can't bring that gas to market, so it's just flared off um, and, and becomes methane in the atmosphere. Uh, Bitcoin mines can consume that energy um, with the enormous advantage that you know they they don't have to be in big cities. They can literally be set up anywhere. So like no company wants to set up you know a data center next to a landfill, um, but Bitcoin mines by all means. Um, and so these are the two ways. Bitcoin becomes a driver of decarbonization worldwide?
0: Yes, I absolutely love that answer. I was like smiling, listening to you talk about it. And, you know, BPI is doing so many great things. Troy Cross, Margo, I have a lot of friends over there that have been pushing this energy narrative, this renewable narrative that Bitcoin is the solution. And I think a lot of times Bitcoin mining can be skewed and when it appertains to use case, right? So in your opinion, like, what is the most promising use case for something like blockchain, which I think is a keyword word that a lot of people are more familiar with in Bitcoin mining, um, beyond cryptocurrency? So what impact do you think that these use cases in the blockchain technology sector will have on various industries?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, you can think of Bitcoin and Lightning Network together as the internet of value. So in the same way that Um, the internet itself sort of launched with the introduction of um, the TCP IP protocol um, for the transfer of information from point A to point B. Um, Bitcoin um, sits on top of that and is a protocol for transferring value from point A to point B, um, digital money. And because it's at the protocol layer, it's a foundation. So, you know, we have TCP IP, and then we have the World Wide Web, HTTP, which is where like, all of the economic growth over the past several decades has come from. Um, I mean, if you think about the biggest companies in the world today, they're software companies, um, they, monet- they monetize at the application layer, at the layer of the web, not at the layer of the protocol. And so um, the same thing's gonna happen with Bitcoin. We're gonna see a new crop, like the new Facebooks, the new Googles, the new Apples. They're gonna all use Bitcoin Lightning Network, um, either for money or for identity. Um, so validating, you know, things like passwordless logins, um, but in a completely user-owned and private way. Um, validating uh, cash transfers, you know, anywhere in the world, instantly, um, with with no FX risk, like these are technologies that are just going to become baked in to the internet infrastructure that people
0: use every day. Yes, I absolutely love that answer. I was like smiling, listening to you talk about it. And, you know, BPI is doing so many great things. Troy Cross, Margo, I have a lot of friends over there that have been pushing this energy narrative, this renewable narrative that Bitcoin is the solution. And I think, a lot of times Bitcoin mining can be skewed and when it appertains to use case, right? So in your opinion, like what is the most promising use case for something like blockchain, which I think is a keyword word that a lot of people are more familiar with than Bitcoin mining um, beyond cryptocurrency. So what impact do you think that these use cases in the blockchain technology sector will have on various industries?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, you can think of, Bitcoin, and Lightning Network together as the internet of value. So in the same way that um, the internet itself sort of launched with the introduction of um, the TCP IP protocol um, for the transfer of information from point A to point B, um, Bitcoin um, sits on top of that and is a protocol for transferring value from point A to point B, um, digital money. And because it's at the protocol layer, it's a foundation. So, you know, we have TCPIP and then we have the World Wide Web, HTTP, which is where like all of the economic growth over the past several decades has come from. Um, I mean, if you think about the biggest companies in the world today, they're software companies. Um, they, monet- they monetize at the application layer, at the layer of the web not at the layer of the protocol. And so um, the same thing's going to happen with Bitcoin. We're going to see a new crop, like the new Facebooks, the new Googles, the new Apples, they're going to all use Bitcoin Lightning Network, um, either for money or for identity. Um, So validating, you know, things like passwordless logins, um, but in a completely user owned and private way. Um, Validating uh, cash transfers, you know, anywhere in the world instantly um, with with no FX risk. Like these are technologies that are just going to become baked in to the internet infrastructure that people use every day. That was an,
0: it, uh, just a beautiful example of um, really just understanding where the future is going and being prepared for it. And Natalie, there was something that you talked about on what Bitcoin did that I wanted you to expound on that I found so interesting you know, going Which... in a different direction as far as being a thought leader, being in the public sphere and talking about Bitcoin, because I think that projecting that narrative is super important for um, the way that people perceive this digital asset. And you know, why is it important to be a responsible thought leader in the Bitcoin space?
1: Well, um, anyone who's a public figure from my point of view, has has a kind of responsibility. You know, they've they've called forth an audience um, who is looking to them either, you know, to be educated or uh, for a role model, someone to emulate. Um, and so, there's a certain standard of conduct and character that um, I would suggest anyone in the public eye uh, should be held to. Um, as far as policy goes, it's it's very important to educate lawmakers. Um, but for the most part, it's it's also important to keep in mind that these are reactive people by nature. Government is never first; like government doesn't innovate. Government follows, um, and so what they're looking for is for Bitcoin to become an electoral issue for their voter base. So the moment that they become convinced that they can't win an election if they oppose Bitcoin is the moment they flip. Um and so it's you know it's fine it's it's important to do that work um but it's also important to not rely on politicians to lead us. They're going to follow us, the people.
0: And the last question I have for you Natalie is you know a question that I think is unique because you know, so many people are onboarding into this asset each and every day. And a lot of people can be flummoxed on exactly like what Bitcoin is, like, how do I get started? Like, who do I follow? That's why I asked you about um, kind of having this public thought leaders, you know, kind of like hierarchy. And my last question to you is, what advice do you have for individuals that are new to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and are looking to get involved?
1: Um, Yeah, I I would suggest if, if you're thinking about Um, buying Bitcoin, um, first of all, to see it as a long term investment uh, rather than something that you're just going to quickly flip. Um, Bitcoin is in the process right now and will continue for the next few decades to to be uh, monetized, to be fully accepted as a base money for eight plus billion people around the world. So it's going to be volatile. You know, you're going to see, you know, 75% drawdowns. You're going to see really dizzying all time highs. Um, And it's important that um, when you allocate to Bitcoin that you have the discipline um, to hold through these roller coasters Um, and zoom out. Um, Look at the entire trajectory of Bitcoin's growth as an asset um, since it was introduced in 2009. Um, It is the fastest appreciating asset in human history. Um, And so if you have the patience and the discipline um, to consistently allocate and to hold for, you know, at least five years, I would say, um, but but maybe more, um, then you will likely, if these trends continue, be rewarded
0: awesome such sound advice and you know this this bitcoin conversation has been incredible natalie i learned so much in this short amount of time and um i just wanted to thank you publicly for you know your insight your genius your knowledge on all of these various topics but before we go could you give people your social media handles and any future endeavors that you might want people to know about
1: yeah absolutely so um you can find me on twitter at nsmolensky um, I'm also on Noster, but I don't use it as much. Um, also, the Texas Bitcoin Foundation is on Twitter, and if you just Google it, it'll pull up the website. Um, we're currently working on the Satoshi Papers, which is the first um, edited journal of scholarly articles about Bitcoin. Um, we're targeting publication sometime in 2024. Um, and so, if you're, you know, if you want to nerd out, uh, then then follow us there. <laughs>
0: Once again, Natalie, thank you. you. This has been a great interview. Um, Everybody look out for Natalie. She's doing huge things in the space. Um, You'll see much more of her in the future. And I'm just honored to have her on the Bitcoin source. Natalie, have a good one.